into the corner to Plaisance. To Plum at the top of the key. Plum's going to let one fly. Boom! Shaka-laka-laka! Boom! Ball game! All of the sun, none of the fun. On the Press Box Summer Edition with Willie Ramirez. Yes, it is. It is Willie Ramirez here on the Press Box today. It's Ed Graney and Jared running the show. Tyler, back tomorrow. We haven't seen that kid in about six months. Uh, so Bischoff is back tomorrow, Wednesday. We're out at the Mountain West football preseason media day. We'll see where the Rebels are picked. Please be joined now, though. Follow her on Twitter at Nikki Fargus. It's Nikki Fargus, the president of your Las Vegas Aces. Hi, Nikki. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Thanks for having me. Sure. I want to ask you, before we get to the Aces, I want to ask your uh, um, Sandra Douglas Morgan is named the president of the Raiders. I didn't know. Was there a uh, relationship between you guys? Did you know Sandra? What did you think? What did you think about the hire? Well, I, first off, let me just say this. Mark Davis is breaking barriers. Mm-hmm. He's also realizing the importance of, you know, hiring the right person um, to lead not only the Raiders um, franchise, but to lead the Raiders organization in a positive um, manner. And I had a, a, a fortunate opportunity to meet uh, Sandra. She had attended um, a few of the Aces games, sitting sidelines, uh, she and her family, her, her lovely family, cheering the Aces on. So we did have, prior to um, uh, the announcement, um, Sandra has been, like I said, courtside at Aces game, watching and supporting the Las Vegas Aces. So just really excited um, about the future of what she's going to bring to the Raiders organization. And, Nikki, I have to ask you, um, she was very poignant in her introductory press conference, something that stood out to me in how much she emphasized community, where she came from. Her and I had a chance to talk privately afterwards that I, I appreciated because when she says community, she just doesn't mean, you know, the new Vegas community. She comes from an area that's sort of an old school, historic West Las Vegas. And I, I, I kind of feel as if that's something appreciative from your administration, because when we're at Aces games, yourself, Natalie, Blair, uh, um, you know, uh, Carly, you're all, you are very, you're visible, you're walking around, you're shaking hands, you're smiling with fans, you're talking to people. How important is that? From like That's a Mark Davis umbrella, but in terms of just from a presidential standpoint in, in within the organization is making sure that the fans see that. Well, it's extremely important. I think you... Um have brought up a great point. Um, having been a former athlete and having played for Pat Summit, I remember there would be times in the locker room when we weren't playing um, up to the standard that we should have played that she would talk about the fans. She would talk about you know them coming out and spending their time to come and support you and that you better give them you know a show. You better give them something to remember because they're here for you, and the way that you could easily give back to them is by going out there and performing on the court in a manner that they would be proud of. And I think now, as I'm older and I'm now on the business side, it's so important for us to connect. Like there's one thing to connect via technology, but we can't take for granted that we've been in a pandemic and and still living with COVID, and we spent two years of our lives with, with, with no connectivity as far as physically or visually somebody in person. And, and, and I think we don't need to um, 
take that for granted that we are able to now go up and say hello to someone and ask them how they're doing and thank them for coming out and supporting the Las Vegas Aces or even going over to someone, shaking their hand and making sure that they're okay. Um, to me, those touch points are so important because our fans are amazing. And, you know, as a player, you'll hear them say, the girls in the locker room, oh, man, the fans were amazing tonight. They were like the sixth man for us. Yeah. And I, and I think we also understand that we're also role models, right, for the community. And we're role models to not only um, the, 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 the season ticket member that's, you know, followed the Aces for a long time, but we're also role, role, role models to the youth. And so we have a lot of families that are that are in attendance and so we want to make sure that we welcome them um, into our building and tell them that we appreciate them and i and you know you say walk up to fans shake their hands introduce yourself i i personally know that for sure because the game that my son went to and and i was walking off the court after talking to carrie lambira and you're like hey is everything okay i was like oh yeah yeah no i was asking a question because my son's here and you're like oh he is and i pointed him out and after the game he comes up he goes hey the president of the aces came up and said hello and introduced herself and thanked me for coming out. And I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, yeah, of course, Nikki's cool. So <laughs> he told me that. I was like, yeah, sure. Okay. So of course that was a story he told to a lot of his clients. He's like, yeah, president of the aces came up and introduced herself to me for the next week. Um, so, and, and, and you, you bring up, uh, you know, the, the players in the locker room and, and talking about the fans, the fan favorites are coming back. You have the core coming back in Kelsey, in Asia, uh, you know, Jackie, mm-hmm. everybody's been re-signed. I mean, this is, does this team have the makings of being a dynasty? I, I truly believe we do. And, you know, great job, Natalie Williams, our general manager, um, for making sure that we secured our nucleus, and you know, for Mark Davis to 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 support um, the fact that we wanted to go after an amazing coach like Becky Hammond and um, be able to pull her back home, I think that helps with the culture that we're creating here because this is about family. Um, it's about the people that um, work in this organization. I've got an amazing team here in the front office. Um, we have an amazing coaching staff. Um, but I, but but the players, you know, they're they're our primary stakeholders, and so when you're able to have Plum and Chelsea and Asia and Erica and um, Raquana, um, and 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 obviously we want to make sure um, that we we keep them together because they are special. They they it's something is brewing here in the Las Vegas um, basketball community, and it starts with our nucleus of players. And those starters have been together. I mean, you can even say Raquan is a starter, but they've yeah. been together for yeah. a couple of years now. And it's and that's, and you can see that they're um, they're 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 buying into Becky's system. They're buying into her philosophy of playing this game the right way. Um, that we're going to be unselfish in everything and everything that we do. We're going to hold our hat in defending and guarding and and and, and out rebounding our opponents, um, but while while being while being selfless. And so there's that buy-in there. And those are all ingredients for a potential um, championship team. Now, we want to get one underneath our belt. Number two, number three, number four come. But we're taking it literally one day at a time, one possession at a time, making sure that we're maximizing and executing to the best of our ability um, and, playing for, and playing for this franchise, playing for the future of the WNBA, what it should look like. You know, we are wanting to support these women. We're wanting to keep them here um, in the States and train here 
and be able to have a comfortable living here. And so one of the things that Mark Davis, um, you know, committed to was a 75,000-square-foot um, practice facility, which we located right next to uh, the Raiders' headquarters. Yep. And so that will give up the players um, a place to train, to, to not only train, but also um, in the offseason, you know, where do you want to go run games at? We, we, now we got a place where you can go leave your sneakers. Um, so I think those are all important to building a franchise that could become a dynasty. That is, and that facility is going up quick. I would hope that maybe – I know Athletes Unlimited is – not coming back to Vegas, but they're still they're going to be in Dallas um, because it, it was convenient with their other sports. So maybe they can make a return in 2024 once the facility is built because it's going to be fantastic. Um, I want to talk to you about, you know, some of the post-game press conferences ha- provide some of the best entertainment, especially when you get Kelsey, Asia, and Chelsea on the dais at the same time, or Dierica. And, I mean, you never know what's coming out of their mouth, and it's fantastic entertainment if you haven't tuned into a post-game press conference on the local broadcast. Um, but with the competitiveness that comes from these ladies, is there a sense of pride in that they want to be the first pro team to deliver a professional championship to the community? <laughs> Of course, of course. I mean, they're competitors, so they want to compete not only um, for 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 that title, but they're competing um, for themselves. And you know, we've got players that have won on every level: um, high school championships, um, NCAA championships, and um, you know, obviously Chelsea Gray has won a WBA title. But the others are are seeking to do that as well. So there, there's this internal competitiveness that you have as an athlete where, you know, you want to win it all. You want to be crowned, the, the, you know, the best team um, and become America's team, so to speak, and to be able to do it where Las Vegas is obviously wrapped their arms and embraced uh, professional sports with the Raiders being here and, um, and, and us coming. Uh, it would be amazing for us to be the first um, professional team to uh, I, I jokingly say they shut down the strip. <laughs> uh, the one leading them is Becky Hammond. I wanted to ask you this, uh, former player. Obviously, you knew her beforehand uh, as a player. Um, what impressed you the most and what has surprised you about her? Is there anything that has surprised you about Becky Hammond? Um, you know, not su- surprised. I think she was meant for this. Um, it's in her DNA, and she's one who can talk to the players in a way where they're captivated by what she says, but want, but they also are buying in and want to go and execute um, her game plan. Um, I think the one thing that Becky brings, um, there's a lot of things that Becky brings to this team, but the one thing that she brings is a deep understanding of tapping into your greatness. You know, there's, we've got great players, but do they always tap into it and she's getting this group of individuals, 12 of them, to tap into that at, at the same time <laughs> on the same day for two, two and a half hours. Um, her ability to motivate them to play on both sides of the basketball, um, you know, you don't see or hear in practices, a lot of practices, there's a commonality there where she's stressing um, the fundamentals of the game. She's stressing uh, being a better defensive team, she creates um, defensive schemes where she will disrupt you, you know, right after a timeout or after a dead ball, and the team is excited about that. I think she's also given them this respect 
um, coming in that you are a talented offensive player and that if you work on your three ball, if you work on practicing it, like I'm going to give you the green light. Now, she doesn't want people taking contested threes, but she has really put, you know, when you look at Asia Wilson, I saw a graphic the other day or the uh, yesterday, I think she was one of two from the three-point line in her first four years. Well, she's, I think the graphic said 19 for 52 this season. Um, Kelsey Plum, uh, in our last um, game, just tied, and she may have went ahead of the most three-pointers made in the season. Right. Um, that, that's, that's a coach coming in and saying, you know, I'm going to give you the green light, but her system allows for the three-ball um, to, to be an option for this team. And, and, and that's something that, you know, to me that was different. That's something that we didn't have. And she's bringing something new to this team and this franchise. Nikki, last one before we let you go, and I know it's not the favorite subject for probably any of the presidents or general managers to talk about. I'm not sure if you saw Mike Tebow's post-game pre- or pre-game press conference yesterday, but he made sort of a gesture, he, which he later apologized as if he was crying his eyes out over uh, Minnesota's travel. Um, and then he later on apologized but said, you know, we're all going through it. And I remember when Washington was here, they went to double overtime with with, with the Aces, and they had to catch separate flights um, to, to play the next day in Phoenix. You, uh, Your team, right, they had to catch separate flights from this current East Coast trip before the All-Star break. A 6 a.m. flight, I believe, from Seattle to Chicago, maybe, and they or Minnesota. They didn't get there till 6 p.m. Every team's going through it. Is this something that the players, the administration, the, 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 the teams themselves will be demanding sort of to be a topic for the next collective bargaining agreement? Where are we with travel for these ladies? Well, until you know, there's um, um, there's there's being there's there's obviously a lot of conversation right around um, a lot of a lot of things with with you know being able to from being able to travel to you know sleeping in your own bed more nights at home. Um, I think there's a lot of things on the table that the league is discussing and trying to find a solution um, trying to find a solution for. Um, I, and, I, and I think it's a commitment, um, it's a, it's a, and it's going to be a financial commitment. Um, but I know coming from college athletics and playing and being a former player that was fortunate to play in a sport where um, what the, you know, Pat Summit was like what the men get, the women get. So, when, so if the men were, were chartering when we played, then guess what happened? The women chartered um, when, when you're at a um, – when you're at one of the Power Five schools, obviously our budget um, coming from LSU was, was was significant enough where we could charter. Um, we we got we we exposed our players um, to a lot of different things, being able to have that type of budget. So that's why I'm saying the commitment has got to be there financially for this to really um, move the needle for 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 our league. Um, but it does make a difference for the the the, the young athlete um, again. I remember chartering, and we would play, you know, at Rutgers, and coming all the way from Louisiana. <laughs> that was, you know, you know, you would, you would literally have, you would have had to take um, a couple of different flights to get there, a couple of different legs. Um, it made all the difference in the world in the travel when we would travel to Rutgers from Louisiana um, on a charter plane. 
Um, but we also had, we also didn't have the, you know, sometimes when you're, when you're traveling, there's, there's a lot of hiccups that come about. That was eliminated. Um, we could stay on our schedule. And um, I think that, that our players, like, you know, especially the ones, you know, that have been at Power 5 schools, and the most of the WNBA players have come from that. Um, you know, I know, look at our roster. I mean, I'm sure, you know, when, when you look at Asia and South Carolina, you know, Notre Dame and Jackie Young, um, you know, the college the, at the collegiate level, that's what they were doing. Um, so I think we're, 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 it's obviously being um, talked about and um, hopefully there'll be resolution here soon. Great stuff there. Follow on Twitter at Nikki Fargus. It's the president of Las Vegas Aces, Nikki Fargus. Nikki, we appreciate you joining us. Great stuff. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Take care of yourself. You too. Nikki Fargus, uh, president of your Las Vegas Great Aces. Great when lady. we come back, I've always wanted to say this. I say it often. It's Jared's Dumb Questions. All right, Jared, this is your segment. This is Jared's Dumb Questions. What? Jared's Dumb Questions. What? Jared's Dumb Questions. We're doomed! It's times like this I wish I were a religious man. It's all over, people. We don't have a prayer. Ah. I regret doing this every time I do it, but yet for some reason I keep allowing it to happen. Let's see. It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. You stupid monkey. Shut up. I love Justice. I think he does a great job. Here we go. It's that time. We wait for it. We love it. It's Jared's Dumb Questions. All right. Shout out to Steven, um, our Australian uh, listener, for Steven, creating yeah. the imaging for Jared's Dumb Questions. Um, okay. So this actually comes with a bit of sound. I'm going to play the sound first, and then I will ask you the dumb question. It's Brian Brown's mustaches as eye black. Big man. moment. Ball inside. Oh, oh, sir. Oh, sir. Two down. Two down. Let's go. I, I don't. There is no way that that's a strike. Inside. It was inside. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. <laughs> as he should. Inside. Are you kidding me? No. He deserves that dirt. I like jump back. Really? You're stealing the game. Stealing the game from us. I will grant you. And Brian Cranston has just been kicked out. Well, he was trying to get kicked out earlier. He just had to make a little bit more of a show of it. Oh, here's why he was kicked out. Yeah, you can't throw. You can't throw gum. But crazy. You can't throw gum. It was a bad, was a bad call Throwing in a big situation. Okay, so needless to say, that was Brian Cranston being the first person in the history of the celebrity softball game, celebrity softball game to be yeah. thrown out of the game. So my question to you two, you both have tremendous professional experience and you're both consummate professionals, but... <laughs> really? What is the most embarrassing professional thing you've ever been kicked out of? Or we could even go simply asked to leave. Willie? I don't think I've ever been asked. I, I mean, I th from a media standpoint, I don't think I've ever. I've been reprimanded for something, but I've never been asked to leave something. The only thing I've ever been asked to leave is a nightclub when I was under 21. Okay. 
I've been, I, I was, I'm there with you. I've been kicked out of, uh, bars, but, uh, I shouldn't say that as a plural, should I? <laughs> Too late. <laughs> that was a long time ago. That was the, uh, San Diego State days. And, uh, but I distinctly media, remember, I distinctly remember event? this, how I felt with, with the reprimand, but I'll go ahead and finish. A media I'll... event? I don't, I don't have think, you, my gosh, I hope not. Have you ever witnessed anyone be thrown? I have, I have. Wallington did it. Mark Wallington. Really? Can you do? Yeah. Can you tell the story without naming names? Yeah, don't yeah. name who. Yeah. Well, he's not around, but um, it was. I want to say it was the the Las Vegas Bowl that uh, the Rebels beat Central Michigan. That's they a waxed while ago. them. Yeah, ninety four. It was Jeff Horton's year. Um, where his first year, he had come down. It was a big to do because he took over for Chris Alt. They were he, he sort of molded him as his next guy to take over the Wolfpack, and then he turned around and left and took over the UNLV program, and they played in the final game of the regular season. UNLV beats him. They carry the goalposts across Sam Boyd. They go to the Silver uh, to the uh, Las Vegas Bowl, and um, one of the Rebel Yell beat writers, like one of the sports staff, Paul Gutierrez was on that staff, by the way. Uh, but he came. One this this guy came in, and you he had just sparked up, like it was like pungent. Really, <laughs> yeah, it, it was like you know how we go to events, uh, Ed, and and when we leave, how many times have you left an event at Mandalay MGM Grand? You go to a parking garage, and it just reeks. Now, yes, right. Yeah. It, yeah. it the whole press box. And back then, it wasn't the the press box that you know now. This was before you ever came here. Remember, this is this this was a this was a two this was a two tier press box. It was about as big as this studio, and it, it was a upper level, lower level, and but it wasn't long like the one we have now right. out there at, at Sam Boyd or that we used to go to. It was it was much smaller. So the dude walked in and he just brought a waft of dank uh-huh. with him. Yeah, so Mark had to tell him to go. I'll tell you what. There are people I would not mind having removed <laughs> from, I can, being, now, okay. from being fans. Okay, how about this? A couple of games ago, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call them out, but I was texting with it. Yeah, he was texting me the whole time how bad it was. I was at an Aces game that went to overtime, and there were media members. Well, let me air quote that. There were media members who were cheering. And there were when I say cheering, Jackie Young hit a three to force the game. I can't remember who the heck they were playing. Forced the game to overtime. Oh, was it the Mystics the Lynx. game? No, it was the Mystics. Oh, game. it was the Mystics. The, 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 the was, Mystics okay. ended the Mystics, up okay. uh, that they won. That I just spoke of with the traveling issue. Uh, when Jackie Young hit it, these two media members they didn't just cheer; they jumped from their seat like as if they were in. The, and I'm talking, and they were between me. And the paper of record, and I, it was like it, we were we were astonished, and it was it was bad. And uh, the next game, I made mention to the PR guy. He goes, I, "That game, it was so." He goes, "Next time, you need to text me." I said, "Well, I'm not going to be a snitch. I'm just I'm just telling you that keep an eye out. I'm not going to sit there and rat someone, you know." And then I'm trying to type, and other people are working, whatever. But it was very uncomfortable. Yeah. It was it very be. uncomfortable. I mean, because we're talking like pounding the table. What? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It was. Oh, yeah. Willie was, was texting me. It was, yeah, it was yeah. terrible. All was terrible. right. Well, this has been Jared's Dumb Questions. We love this. We like the segment. When we come back, a special guest via Willie G. Ramirez. Well, that's the thing about being a Raider. You know, they're badasses on the field. 
but they're uh, kittens off the field. And you'll see that with a lot of the guys in this organization. You know, they, they, they play their asses off to be Raiders. And it's, you know certain people are born to be Raiders, and Richie's one of them. But uh, off the field, they do so much in the community and everything else that it's the badass is uh, left on the gridiron. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition with Willie Ramirez. It is Willie Ramirez, as a matter of fact, with Ed Graney and Jared Justice on the Wheels of Steel, bringing us back as we close things out on the Press Box with ESPN. Gearing up for a big week, Raiders are back on the field. The rookies report today, the veterans report on Wednesday. We got the Aces back home for a three-game homestand, but we have a special guest coming up today. Someone I've been trying to set up privately, Ed, for you. Yes. But you didn't know. No, I know. And I've been trying to work behind the scenes with uh, Jared and Tyler. Neither one. They're very tough to get on the phone, and I'm a phone guy. I'm not a texter, and it it, it took more than texting for this surprise guest for you because I know how intrigued you are about powerlifting. Absolutely. So I have one of the world's foremost... And when and I say this, I don't say you know like we joke with you like one of the world's foremost columnists, you know. But really, you're just a local guy. You're not that big. But anyway, no, not um, but you are, you are the eight-time Nevada uh, sports writer of the year. But one of the world's foremost powerlifters, him and his fiance, they both are world widely recognized. Welcome to the show, Micah Marino. Micah, how are hey, you? Hey, Micah, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm I'm, I'm doing great. I, I truly appreciate this opportunity to, to jump on this call. Um, it, it's mind-blowing, so I appreciate it. I appreciate that you texted me ahead of time because knowing what we've done together professionally, that you asked if it was okay to swear or not because I asked Micah that when he's hired me, retained me to MC some of his events. And I, was like, and I always ask him, can I swear? And, and it's either F yeah or F no right? because of certain streams that we do and sanctioning bodies because Mike is dialed in with like the USPA and then some other powerlifting as he's disassociated with one to realign with others. But Micah, one thing that you have done without a doubt, just because of your presence and you've gotten so many people involved, you have really taken an exposed and elevated the sort of the, the powerlifting sport in this town. I'm sure there were powerlifters out there like our mutual friend Brandon Allen, right, and his his gym or the, his former gym. But with what you've done on social media, how big has this sport grown in this town? I mean, just in the last, I mean, when I, I've been out here for about seven years. When we first moved out here, um, there wasn't just, there wasn't a very big powerlifting scene. There was a there was power lifters, but as far as the community, there wasn't one. Um, Brandon Allen had one, um, and then some things happened, and his gym got closed down uh, probably about two years ago, I think, due to uh, COVID. But in the last two years, I mean, we've been we went from hosting one event to now this year we have ten powerlifting meets between USAPL and WRPF. Um, uh, even at our gym alone, we went from 20 members to we're well in the hundreds and um, just, just hosting a lot of events and doing a lot of cool things and just trying to bring a community together. And that's what is, is just making it kind of blow up, um, kind of overnight, too. I mean, we've been doing this since 2007 as far as power lifting, but I think when, when you have great minds and you just try to create a community, people are just going to show up, and I think that's what's happening here. 
Mike, I'll be honest with you. My experience is free weights at the 24-hour fitness, so uh, I'm going to be very uh, naive here to this. But I do think yeah. that people, I do think people have questions when you hear powerlifting, bodybuilding, Olympic lifting. The differences in them. I, I've covered Olympics, so I've covered some Olympic lifting. But how big a difference is are these are these disciplines? Because I think a lot of people out there would think one's the same as the other. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of people just. When you say oh, I'm a powerlifter, they, they immediately think like bodybuilding. Right. Um, just because right now bodybuilding is, is, is bigger um, uh, as far as like social media and just it's bigger right now. But we're the way we're going. Um, but when it comes down to it, bodybuilding is more of you're training muscles to get bigger and in better shape. Um, powerlifting is more about you get three lifts, you get a bench or you get a squat, a bench, and a deadlift. You add the best of all of those together, and then you have a total. That's powerlifting. So when you go to a powerlifting competition, you only get nine attempts. So technically, you're only competing for nine minutes because each attempt you get one minute to do your thing. So powerlifters train, you know, years and years and months. We typically do two, two maybe three competitions a year. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of the difference is we just train for strength. Um, now, now... Powerlifting has changed uh, in the last 20 years that we used to be just kind of like when you say the word powerlifter 20 years ago, you think like the big, fat guy who goes to the gym and just lifts weights. Well, now if you look at the powerlifting, you know, scene, everybody's in decent shape. We're like, I wouldn't, we're not bodybuilders, but we train like bodybuilders. We have muscle. We're, we're in good shape. Um, more just like an athletic look. But um, kind of a mixture of bodybuilding and CrossFit. Um, hate to say that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's just true. And um, yeah, we do we do three lifts. You get three squats, and then you get three benches, and then you get three deadlifts. And a typical powerlifting meet lasts when you compete at a powerlifting meet. Um, you're you do there could be over sixty athletes lifting in one day. So you start squatting at nine, and typically you don't deadlift till about three o'clock. So you're, it, it's about an eight hour day of just like lifting weights. So, um, and that's one of the things that we're trying to actually change is to make it a little shorter to make it more spectator friendly. Um, but to, to narrow it down, that's kind of what powerlifting is the difference between the sports. Um, but we still like to look a little good. Well, and the one thing is that, you know, I came to appreciate when my son Jordan and, and, and uh, and I met you, and this was at a time when both you and Jordan were renting space for your clients, and then training yourselves. You compete, you and Steph competing or uh, preparing for events worldwide. I remember when Steph went to Ireland to compete for USA. Jordan was still competing uh, in bodybuilding competitions, and you guys were, like I said, renting space. And now you both own your own facilities. Obviously, the perfect gym, and then fighter quit and doing your doing your guys' great things. And combining, but one thing that I appreciated was that the foundation of powerlifting really is important for all three days that you may go. So if you go and you're doing push day, you're you're going to start with your compound movement for bench. On leg day, you're going to hit your squats, and then on pull day, you're going to hit your deadlifts. So there's a foundation of powerlifting within bodybuilding. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, so let's get to the nitty-gritty as to why you are such a surprise guest for Ed of who he is fascinated by. 
Um, because the reason that powerlifting is such a big conversation, but these guys didn't know the crux of things, is Ed is fascinated by our mutual friend that you introduced us to and one of your quote-unquote clients who you've become an ally with. He trains out of the Fighter Quid Gym. I believe you just coached him at Westgate. Deuce Gruden. The Deucer. Oh, oh yeah, Deuce. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> what's, yeah. A, what's a Deucer like as a powerlifter? Honestly, man, he is, he's built different. That's 100%. He's, I mean, he's, he's jacked. He, he looks like he should be on the field. <laughs> but, no, as, as a lifter, he's amazing. Um, he just did nationals, USAPL nationals. It was a battle. He ended up taking fourth. But he did well. He did really well. Um, and I think he's got a lot of he, – he had an injury, but he overcome that. But as far as just being a person, man, he's probably one of the nicest dudes um, that I've met in the powerlifting industry. And um, he's always there to help. Like, say, for example, if I'm lifting heavy and I just want height, he'll uh, – hey, man, do you mind just showing up? I know you're busy. He'll just show up and help out and, and be, be a part. I mean, he has that that – Team, team vibe. I mean, I'm sure he gets that from work and stuff like that, where he wants to be involved. And when he can, I know he's super busy and stuff like that. But yeah, no, Deuce is, um, he trains at our gym when he can't, when he, when he, when he can. Yeah. And he preps for all his competitions at our gym. Um, I'm actually trying to convince him to do one of our competitions just locally so everyone can come watch him compete. Um, now that we host USAPL meets as well. So I'm trying to get him to, to come down and do one in January. But it's just tough because of the season and stuff like that. So, But, no, he's he's an awesome lifter. He's an even better person. And I want you to put in perspective some things, uh, aside from Juice, some of the people that you're involved with. Because I remember when you uh, during Olympia Week, you introduced us to Dan Green, and I watched that dude deadlift like 900 pounds. I just tweeted out, uh, and we think that this is your tag, your old Twitter. You're, you're very active. By the way, if anyone's listening and wants to see Micah's stuff, he's got over 100,000 followers. It's M-I-C-A-H underscore Marino on Instagram, and he puts all of his stuff up there. You can learn about Fighter Quit Gym. But I just tweeted out a video I had from the old facility that you and Jordan used to rent space out of. And I believe it's about 500 pounds, which is really light for you. It's a warm-up. Uh, I think it's five red plates, five of the red kilo plates on each side, and it was just a regular uh, deadlift bar. That's about 500, correct? No, if it's five plates because they're 25 kilos, that's uh, 595. So almost 600. <laughs> so I just tweeted out about not, 500. Let's not make that mistake. Yeah, so it's about 600 pounds. Um, yeah. But – I want you to talk about Dan Green. If you remember that day, Olympia Week, a few, I think it was the, the year before COVID, and he came in and he put on a show, and what was so cool about it was there was the mural of him behind, and it still yeah. looked the same. The, some of the guys that are in this industry, you mentioned Brandon Allen, there's Dan, um, and, and some of the weights that are just ridiculous. And first of all, your maxes for deadlift, squat, and PR. Or, I mean, and um, squat and bench, excuse me. Yeah, so I've squatted um, at the 181 weight class. I've squatted 750. Um, I've benched a little over 500, and I've deadlifted 800 multiple times um, around the body weight of 181. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah. I but, mean, the numbers Dan, are like video game numbers. And then, and then talk about Dan Green. To, to, about wasn't it about 900 that he deadlifted that day? Yeah, he's done a 903 deadlift. He's done like an 880 squat, 550 bench. Um, Dan Green's one of those guys who um, is, 
you know, a lot of people nowadays use the term goat. Um, they, they throw it out like it's, it's water, but um, the term goat is he would be considered one of the goats. He's been powerlifting for 20-plus years and multiple world records in different weight classes. He owns a gym out in California. It's called Boss Barbell. Super close friend of ours, awesome dude. And he uh, actually, he was um, one of the, I, I don't know if you guys remember the magazine. It was like top 100 fittest athletes. He was actually, um, this was years ago, probably five or six years ago. He was, uh, it was big for powerlifting at the time. He was the, I think, I don't know if he was number one, but he was in that magazine for like one of the fittest, you know, athletes on the planet or whatever. So, he is not your typical powerlifter when you think of powerlifting. He looks like he could be on a stage any given day. I mean, he's massive, probably about 250, maybe 10% body fat, just massive legs, massive back. I mean, when you got a deadlift 900, that's just what's going to happen. But, but even crazier is, is where the sport has gone. 900 pounds, 800 pounds, 700 pounds used to be crazy 10 years ago. Now you have people who are deadlifting thousand pounds, size of yeah. benching, and this is raw. Like a lot of people don't understand the difference between raw and gear and single ply and multi ply. I'm talking about just putting the barbell in your hands and bringing it down on your chest and benching it. Um, there's a guy named Julius Maverick. Um, he benched, I want to say, 788, um, which is the world record. Um, and then there's a guy right now, one of my really close friends, Danny Grisby, he just pulled 1,025, which is the biggest deadlift that's ever been reported in a competition by almost 90 or almost 50 pounds. So, well, the, the sports, go ahead. No, I was going to say, well, the good thing is, because we're up against it, Mike, the good thing is, is because of your relationships with all these people, they can see people can see this. If you're interested, like I said, I urge you to go to Instagram, follow Micah at M I C A H underscore Marino or Fight or Quit Gym, just as it sounds, F I G H T O R Q U I T Gym, both on Instagram because you will often share some of these allies that you are that you know or a lot of the events that take place. Fighter Quit Gym has deadlift parties, squat parties where you just come, you have a good time. I know Deuce was at the last deadlift party, so make sure that you reach out if you're a, if you're really interested in powerlifting. Right now, the active scene that that Micah and Steph put on at Fighter Quit Gym is second to none. Micah, we appreciate you joining us here on ESPN Thanks, Las Vegas this morning. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Guys, have a good uh, have a good Monday. Thanks a lot, go Deucer. All right, we've got tickets. ZZ Top, December 3rd through 10th, the residency at the Venetian. ZZ Top right now. Caller number 6 at 702-364-1100. Get your tickets. It's December 3rd through 10th residency. You'll get the date later, but right now, ZZ Top, 364-1100. And he ends it. A 2-1 pitch down the left field line. He's heading for second. The perfect game and the no-hitter are just a thought now. Line drive, base hit. There it goes. No hitter done. Perfect game is done. And now Rangifo will arrive at second base with a double. A clean, scorching line drive off the bat of Luis Rangifo. And now a standing ovation for Clayton Kershaw. Swing. There's a shot. 
deep center field. Way back there, still going. It's a grand slam. Can you believe it? The ball game ends on a grand slam. You're locked in the press box. I was watching the Kershaw game. Of course you were. Yeah, oh, yeah. of course Every you pitch. were. Every pitch. Yeah. Wanted it so bad. He's. Oh, he's uh, what were you noshing on? Did you, were you noshing on anything? What do you, what are you noshing on when you're watching those Dodger games? Because I know what I snack on. Um, uh, dark chocolate pretzels. Nice. You know where you can get those? I don't know. The, the Golden Knights game sometimes. Oh, really? Well, you know what they have up there on the snack. Oh, Golden Knights. Yes, yes, I do know that. Okay, I do know that. That's in the big jar. Today is National Caviar Day and National Sour Candy Day. Do you like either one? I've never had caviar. Neither have I. Uh, I don't like I sour candy, but I've had it. So the sour gummies, sour worms, sour... No. I like them, them both. Sour Skittles, See? Jared? They're like both this? great. Really? Caviar, delicious. Sour candy, the best. Do you mix wait, them? No, wait. Are gummy bears them? still... Is that considered sour? Mm, no, they make sour. They make it, sour. Ones. Okay, so the ones at the Golden Knights are not. No, no, no. Okay, because no, no. I've had those. No, peanut M and M's though. <laughs> yeah, what Willie and I do is they they give you little, um, they give you little plastic cups of the peanut M and M's, like little ones, little plastic cups. We're like, yeah, we'll take the coffee cups. Yeah, we get the big styrofoam get cups. The now here's styrofoam the thing. Cups. now here's the thing. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Here's the thing. Uh, at the Raiders games, also they give you the packaged. Now what yeah, I came to what package. I came to find out is the Raiders and UNLV football completely different. Raiders they they put the candy section out and you just take just what take you want. The packets. Yeah, UNLV it's per item. They keep track and they get charged per item. Yeah, crazy. That's so why you're not so you feel bad taking a pack of M and M's. Yeah, well, yeah, well they don't put that. They don't put all the 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 premium candies oh. out at UNLV games. Yeah, so so uh, you know during anything that I don't finish, they come home with me. I still have a freezer full of. Peanut M and M's, yeah, it's cover, it's it's carrying me through the off season. From the I brought a couple uh, coffee cups full of for back for the Bonster. Sure, yeah, watching HGTV. I, I retrieve them for her, of course. You do, yeah. You, you retrieve the M and M's and you give them to me, and we have the coffee cup. And people, I think, think you know it's hockey because people want to, you know, pretend they're hockey people drink coffee, you know, because a lot of hockey players drink coffee. Yeah, they all do that. Uh, I don't do that. I'll drink coffee. Well, it's I don't nice pretend show. I'm a hockey player either. It was nice seeing you, buddy. Yeah, it was a great show. Thanks, Willie. We appreciate it. Push up back tomorrow.